Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, I decided to get into the spooky spirit of October by watching not one, not two, not three, but four scary movies. Two of them are must-watch. The other two, well... I'm Jeff Braun. We also checked out that MCU Halloween special, Werewolf by Night, and I'll review the new Sigourney Weaver, Kevin Klein movie, The Good House. And I stayed up late to check out the season one finale for She-Hulk. Was it worth it? I'm still undecided. But speaking of scary movies, this week there's a big one making its debut in theaters. He killed my daughter. But tonight, I will kill him. Come and get me. Halloween ends. This is the third and final installment in this reboot trilogy. The first one came out in 2018 and brought Jamie Lee Curtis back as Laurie Strode in a movie that they kind of retconned everything that's come before it. it. They treat it as a direct sequel to the original from 1978 and thus kind of just ignore all of the other Halloween movies that have come since then. And I really liked it. I thought it was good. It satisfied the, if you're into slasher movies and you like that kind of violence, that sort of brutal violence, it satisfies that craving while telling I thought was a compelling story. And if it was the only one they made, then it would have it would have been good as a standalone because of the way the movie ended. I thought, well, that works well enough to be its own thing. But of course, then they they went ahead with a sequel and then announced a threequel. So Halloween Kills came out in 2021. They were hoping to release it, I think, much sooner, but pandemic. And now this year we have Halloween Ends. Halloween Kills, I did not like that nearly as much as the one that came out in 2018. I just thought it was... um, I don't know. It just felt like a, more of the same. They didn't seem to advance the story at all. And parts of the story I thought were really dumb. And I think also knowing that there was going to be a third one, it felt like there were no real stakes in that second one because you knew that the end, it wasn't going to be the end. You had to wait until 2022 for Halloween to end. So here we are. Halloween ends this year. I'll have a review for you next week because we're, we record our show on Thursday. I'm going to see it tonight, Thursday night, to check that out. So I'll have a review next week. So far, the early reviews are, I mean, there's only a handful as of this recording on Rotten Tomatoes. We've It's at 67%. There's five reviews posted so far. And one of them says, from the get-go, we are again assured that logic has no place in a Halloween film. Sticking strictly to the formula of darkened rooms and glistening blades, the film delivers the requisite quota of cheap scares and carnage to satisfy fans of the franchise. Whereas another uh, critic says it's a half-baked waste of time and a rotten way to conclude a beloved, if beleaguered, franchise. So, I don't know. I've got my fingers crossed that I will enjoy it and find it to be a satisfying conclusion. Jeff, I know you don't like the scary movies. Have you ever been roped into seeing any of the Michael Myers films over the years? 
I will say this. A few years ago, it must be three or four years ago, I, I must have been feeling brave or something like that. And I noticed on, I saw on cable, oh, the, the original Halloween, the first one from the late 70s was starting. So I was like, okay, I'll give this a shot. We'll see. I'll see what the fuss is. And I made it about 15 minutes, I think, before I had to cut bait and just drop it. He hadn't even killed anybody yet. <laughs> except <laughs> it was just, it was the scene where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, at the time, a high school student, I think, right? Yeah. So. So she's sitting in class, and Michael Myers is just standing across the street by a car, staring at her through the window. It's broad daylight, and it was just something that was just so eerie and creepy about that. It just gave me the willies, and I was like, there's no way I can watch this movie. And I still I had nightmares about that. I still think about it from time to time and how <laughs> creepy it was, and it just uh, is it like uh, it's just like going up my spine. I just I can't take it. So, uh, and I saw uh, there was. There was one later, a much later sequel from the 90s, I guess it must have been, with, I want to say, is Ice Cube in one of them? Uh, a boy. rapper. Which, Buster, Rhyme, or somebody? Buster Rhymes is in Halloween Buster Resurrection, Rhymes. but they're, Ice, I'll, I'll look that up. He might be in one of them, I can't, because they made so many no, of those movies. It's Buster Rhymes. I saw like five minutes of one with him in it, and I saw somebody else get killed by Michael Myers. And I was like, "Nope, I'm out." So uh, I, I wanted, I wanted to try to watch the Halloween movies. I just can't get there for some reason. Uh, it's very effective uh, how creepy that mask is and how he just stands there, doesn't say anything. I think that's the creepy part is just the silence from both him and from uh, Jason in the Friday the Thirteenth movies. I, I will say, I, like the thing about the Halloween is it's got that iconic music and. Most of these other slasher movies of the era don't have a theme song that you could like uh, hang a hat on, like you'd hear it and you wouldn't recognize it. But Halloween, that thing, that thing, that's just lights out. That's a great theme. I love the theme music from it. It's very spooky and evocative. And I don't know why more of these uh, franchises didn't grab onto a, a good theme song that they could uh, use throughout the series. Yeah, only a couple of them really stick the landing on the theme song, The Nightmare on Elm Street. The uh, movies, of course, have a pretty, pretty iconic music. And Friday the Thirteenth, I think, to a lesser extent, like it, it has recognizable music, but it's not. It doesn't stand out as uh, you know something that you might even kind of hum or whistle. Like yeah. not that you'd want to walk down the street, you know, frolicking in the leaves while uh, <laughs> snap my fingers to the Halloween theme. But it, it is that instantly recognizable sparks that that fear, that sense of dread, that sense of doom. Uh, very few themes succeed as well as the Halloween theme song. So, uh, but good for you for trying to watch that classic. I actually would really like or like to watch that the original again. That the, the John Carpenter's original film because I was watching the movies that made us on Netflix documentary series and. They pointed out, they, they said, we shot this movie in the spring. Do you know how hard it is to get pumpkins in the spring? <laughs> <laughs> so I I'd, I'd, I'd kind of just want to go back and look at it and see how, if, if it looked more like spring as opposed to fall, because they did it on a shoestring budget as well. So, but yeah, tough to beat that original. And hopefully this new one, Halloween Ends, is a suitable finale for this. And Jamie Lee Curtis can finally let <laughs> let go they keep roping her back in they're like she's probably thinking okay fine i'll do it again but like can you can we please move on we know that michael myers won't be gone he'll they'll somebody will reboot this again somewhere down the road but in a moment i want to tell you about another iconic horror figure because i watched not one but two movies starring this next character details coming up next you're listening to the couch potatoes 
I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. This past week, I watched four scary movies, and it started on the weekend when I sat down just to watch a movie. I wasn't really thinking scary movies, and I went through the tedious process of trying to pick something from the varying streaming platforms, and just as a sidebar, and I know this is going to put me in the old man yells at cloud category, but I still (laughs) miss the process of just going to the store to look for a movie to rent. You know, scrolling endlessly through screen after screen is just not fun, and I usually get overwhelmed with how much choice there is. Uh, Not that a movie store didn't provide tons of choice as well, but usually something would jump out at you eventually and kind of speak to you, like, rent me. But that rarely happens with the streaming stuff. But after, and then I'll, I'll just end up like, I can't decide, so I'm going to watch a movie I've watched 50 times. Does that happen to you, Jeff? It happens to me all the time, and I keep trying to come up with these little life hacks to avoid that, because that's the sort of waste of time that it's just so frustrating, like you said. And you're right, back in the day, I would walk into a blockbuster, I would look at the shelves for an hour and then walk out with nothing. That <laughs> happened all the time back in the day. Just the overwhelming choice, you know what I mean? Uh, so, no, um, when I'm standing in line, when I've, when I've got time to fill somewhere, I keep the apps for these streamers on my phone. I would never watch a movie on my phone because I'm a 46-year-old man and we just don't do that sort of thing. <laughs> but I keep the apps on my phone just so when I find little pockets of dead time throughout the day, I can scroll through and start seeing what movies they have and what I might like to watch. And I keep a list and I keep a long, keep a long list like for the different moods you might be in when it comes time to watch something. So he was like, ah, oh, I feel like an action movie. And it's like, oh, here's four that I thought might be interesting. And pick one of those and away you go. And it's easier said than done sometimes, but I, I try and do stuff like that. That's I, I'm impressed, actually, with the organization there, though. That's a, that's a good <laughs> system and good for you. Because uh, in, in, in this case, I did actually find something. After going through Netflix and Disney Plus and Prime, I opened Crave and eventually landed on Candyman, the new one from last year. I hadn't watched it yet, so I thought, I'm going to watch Candyman. I watched it, I enjoyed it, and then thought, I should watch the original. It's also on Crave. So I watched it too. And I kind of wish I had watched the original first and then watched the new one because after watching the original, I watched the new one again. So let's start with the original from 1992. Have you ever heard of Candyman? If you look in the mirror, you say his name five times. In cities everywhere. Candyman. They whisper his name. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman. Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. By the way, speaking of theme songs, Candyman has a nifty little theme song as well. It's not scary, but it's certainly haunting. And uh, based on a story from Clive Barker, Candyman tells the story of Helen Lyle, who is played by Virginia Madsen, a grad student looking into urban myths and folklore. And she learns of Candyman, which is a Bloody Mary-style ghost story. He's a large black man with a giant hook for a hand. And if you look in the mirror five times and say his name, he will show up and gut you. And yes, it is relevant that he is black because her hypothesis is that the community in this project's neighborhood of Cabrini Green has created the Candyman myth as a scapegoat of, uh, for, of sorts for all the pain that they deal with every day. Turns out he's no myth, he's real, and when he shows up, he makes life very difficult for Helen. And Tony Todd as Candyman, instant Halloween icon. 
Yes? Helen. He's perfect in the role. He's a large, imposing man, and he wears this gorgeous cloak that makes him look super cool and menacing. And that voice, oh, what an awesome voice. And the movie was good. It's been years since I watched it. And I like that it's not just this hack and slash scary movie. I mean, yes, there is hacking, there is slashing, but this one's far more cerebral and there's a lot going on with the social commentary. There's too, way too much of that to get into here, but it's a good movie and I liked it better than I did when I was younger. I still liked it when I was younger, but I like it more now. And there are some really cool visual parallels between the original and the new one, like the original's title sequence is a bird's eye view of Chicago. So we're looking straight down at the city, whereas the new one does the reverse where you're looking straight up although the tops of the buildings are shrouded in clouds so it almost looks like you're looking down it's just it's unnerving and it's a nice touch and homage to the original but jeff um refresh my memory i think you've seen this original Candyman, have you not i have seen the first one and it was it was a situation it was New at the time, I guess it had must well it come out on video because I watched it at the base in the basement of a friend's house. It must have been a right around Halloween, whatever year this came out. I think I was seventeen at the time because this is an early nineties movie, right? So, um, yeah, I was seventeen. There was like ten of us or twelve of us in the basement of this house, and. A couple of the guys there were my close friends, but a couple of them were other guys from school that, of course, I knew them, but we, we weren't like really close friends. So I didn't really feel comfortable saying, uh, hey, you guys, I don't want to watch a scary movie because I thought they'd just make fun of me or whatever. Plus, there were girls there that I was, you know, had a crush crushes <laughs> on and stuff like that. So I wasn't about to admit that as a 17 year old. I don't think I can watch this movie, you guys, because I'm scared. So I had to sit there. I had to watch it. It was traumatizing. I did, I will say, I spent a lot of the time sort of staring over the top of the TV, not looking right at it, so I wouldn't have to look at the gore. But uh, on the plus front, uh, it is the movie, you know, that made me fall in love with Virginia Madsen. So that was helpful, I guess. But it was uh, a terrifying ordeal. And uh, I just people would invite me to Halloween parties, and I just wouldn't go after that. I was like, nope, they're going to want to watch some horrible movie, and I'm not going to do it. So <laughs> I'm just not going to go because I'm still traumatized from that time I had to watch Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. But uh, yeah, so if you like scary movies and you've never seen Candyman, or if it's been a while since you've seen the original, I highly recommend checking it out. It's on Crave. And as for that new Candyman that came out last year, Anthony. Are you okay? Anthony. What the hell is going on? This neighborhood is haunted. I think I made a mistake. I brought him back. Candyman isn't real. He told me he has purpose for you. Tell everyone. New to the neighborhood. You should say it. Candyman. Say his name. So again, came out last year. I wanted to go see it. Never got to it. Here's some of the description. In present day, a decade after the last of the Cabrini Towers were torn down, visual artist Anthony McCoy, who's played by Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, and his partner, gallery director Brianna Cartwright, they move into a luxury loft condo in Cabrini, which is now gentrified beyond recognition. And with Anthony's painting career on the brink of stalling, 
A chance encounter with a, a Cabrini Green old-timer exposes Anthony to the tragically horrific nature of the true story behind Candyman. So he starts painting stuff related to Candyman and he ends up on this collision course with destiny. So first, it's short, it's to the point, 90 minutes, then bang, it's over. Mateen, Abdul Mateen II, terrific in his role as he slowly starts to lose it. And while this movie has great respect for the original, it doesn't try to be the same movie. Even the violence is different. In the original, sometimes we see it right on screen it can, and it can be in your face and gory. Whereas in this new one, much of the violence happens off screen or in reflections. Like they use mirrors in many clever ways in this movie and I dig it. It added suspense, tension, and dread. And this also expands on the mythology of the original and it has an ending that made me desperate for more. So even though I was happy it was over in 90 minutes, I actually wouldn't have minded a a few more minutes. You know, the ending is quite abrupt. The movie's pace is solid, but then it goes kind of crazy in those final few minutes and bang, it's over. But it looks like they are making a second one. So that's good. So I'll give each of the Candyman movies four couch cushions out of five. You can watch them both on Crave. I should note the original film did spawn a couple of sequels. I hear they're terrible. Didn't watch them in a moment. We're going to tell you though, what Jeff watched this week and something that the both of us watched details in a moment. You're listening to the couch potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. Last week we previewed. This week we'll review the Marvel Cinematic Universe special presentation, Werewolf by Night on Disney+. This Halloween, you can't escape the shock, the terror of Werewolf by Night. Tonight, it is every hunter for themselves. Good luck. I'll be rotting for you. But one of you is a monster masquerading as one of our own. I can't wait to find out what breed of evil you are. Inspired by horror films of the 1930s and 40s, this one-hour or one-off hour-long special is a black-and-white adventure about a group of monster hunters. They're brought together after the lead hunter in their alliance dies, and the man's wife tells them, we've let a monster loose on the grounds. Whichever of you can kill it will inherit my late husband's bloodstone, which is a supernatural rock that is superpowers that would be a great weapon for any monster hunter. The group sets out on the hunt and chaos ensues. And for a one hour special, an awful lot of stuff happens. There are a lot of twists and turns, surprising reveals, and of course, some spooky thrills and kills. And then it ends almost as quickly as it began. And frankly, I thought it was a delight. I was a little worried going in because, as we just mentioned, I'm not a big horror guy, but this isn't too gross or too gnarly or scary for, uh, you know, people to watch. Kids could watch it, too, if they're, you know, Maybe not the youngest kids, obviously, but there's nothing rated R about it, I don't think. They tell a complete story, and it's just nice to be introduced to something and then be done with it an hour later, especially in this day and age of streaming shows that are bloated and movies that are too long. Werewolf by Night stars Gail Garcia Bernal, Laura Donnelly, and Harriet Sansom Harris. She was a Frasier's unscrupulous agent BB on the show Frasier, and she plays a mean lady here, too. It was directed by Michael Giacchino, who's a terrific composer for movies and TVs, and as a Turns out he's a capable director as well. It'll be interesting to see uh, if anything comes to this. Honestly, you know, it's kind of wide open for direct sequels. 
Who knows what the MCU is planning? They could turn this into a series if they wanted to. They could also come back next Halloween with another special. They could come back with an unrelated special and just keep doing a series of one-hour monster specials each year. I'd be down with that. Or maybe they'll start popping out other specials related to some of their more famous superhero characters. I think this uh, special presentation of a one-hour special is its another arrow in their quiver, and I hope they do more of them because... Like I said, it's it's a, a one-and-done thing every now and then is really refreshing. For now, we have this Werewolf by Night. I thought it was a fun hour, and I'd recommend checking it out on Disney+. Plus. Brett, what did you think about it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I liked the the black-and-white motif. I liked the, the fact that the werewolf in question looked very much like the, the werewolves we might have seen in the classic Universal movies decades and decades ago. And I think... It's it's curious that they decided to do this monster th- thing, just a one-off, but it is a part of the Marvel Comics universe, and uh, uh, I think maybe they're also using this as just to as a tone shift or maybe a reminder that Marvel is moving in this kind of direction, more supernatural. Like Moon Knight was very very much a supernatural thing, and and we've got the expanded magic and supernatural stuff that came out of WandaVision, and they're going to get an Agatha series, and eventually we're going to see Blade come back into the months, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it was cool to see this Man-Thing character. Like, I don't know anything about the Man-Thing character that we saw in Werewolf by Night, but apparently he's quite a popular character in the Marvel Universe, so perhaps we'll see more of him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But yeah, as a one-off, if nothing else comes of it, Oh, well, it was fun, particularly for October. And uh, yeah, highly recommend it. It's just good Halloween fun. Absolutely. So yeah, like you said, we don't know what their plans are, but uh, MCU often will uh, see how something does and then come up with a plan. So I think this has been fairly popular, so I'd be surprised if we never saw any other monster show or a special from them. So we'll see in the future. That was one thing we watched this week. I watched another thing. I went to the movies, actually, and there's a pretty good movie that's uh, it's been playing in theaters right now. It will soon be out of theaters. Your best chance, honestly, is probably to rent it in the near future at home. It's a movie you likely have not heard of. Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Klein starring in a movie called The Good House. We will find you the right house. Hildy Good, looking good. Cheers to you, Hildy Good. Any calls? No, and I've texted him like 20 times. I meant, did I get any calls? Rents, mortgages, tuitions, is a lot to ask of a sober person. Mom, I'm kind of a mess. You tried a martini. Oh my God. I'm kidding. Are you dating Frank Getchell? My girls really like you. They're good girls. I was talking about my dogs. You're really throwing me off. Ew. The Good House, rated R. The Good House has done very little box office. It's not that surprising. The Hollywood machine is geared towards youth, and the stars of The Good House are in their 70s. I will say I was shocked when I learned Sigourney Weaver was 72 years old. She doesn't look that at all. Klein does look like a man in his 70s, but that's maybe because we so rarely see him. His IMDb page shows that he has been working consistently enough, but it's mostly been in very small movies that most people haven't seen. He's also been a voice in Bob's Burgers, but that's animated, so you don't really get to look at him there. So great to see both actors again it is actually their third movie together after dave and the ice storm both from the 90s and in the good house they play a couple of bostonians who live in a north shore bedroom community where she plays a real estate or 
plays a she is a real estate agent, the character, and he is a general contractor. They've known each other, you know, all their lives, but until now they've not been together. And the movie's a comedy drama mix. The lighter side kind of involves the shenanigans of the townsfolk. It's a small town story, which I always love. Everyone knows everyone and gets in each other's business whether they want to or not. Weaver has Arrival, this other real estate agent whom she used to work with, who has now struck out on her own and actually stolen a bunch of Weaver's clients. So they've kind of a loggerheads there. They're, they're rivals with each other. And that's, you know, it's had an impact on Weaver, too. She's in this precarious position financially. She has two grown daughters who still rely on her for some money. She owes a bunch on her Range Rover. It's just a stressful time for her. And it doesn't help that she's a recovering alcoholic or trying to be anyways, but failing. And that, of course, is where the drama comes in. There are some pretty harrowing scenes, actually, of the awful things her drinking has brought to her world. And the movie sort of, you know, follows her downward spiral, going from having a glass of wine or two in the evening to having a bottle or two. And then earlier in the day, and there's some blackout incidents, and Weaver's performance is just terrific. Playing drunk can be a tricky thing for an actor. It's very easy to make it look cartoonish or fake, but she does it perfectly. And same for the hangovers the next day. You you really, you, you know, it looks legit. You feel it. I think if the movie itself were a little bit better, she'd be a lock for an Oscar nomination. I still wouldn't be surprised if she did get one. But the shifts in tone uh, kind of keep the movie from really getting there. I sort of get it. You don't want to be you know, this sad, tragic thing from beginning to end because it would be too hard to watch, but it also can't just be light and breezy all the way through because most people have some association with an alcoholic in their life and it's just not a light and breezy story for anyone. So it's a difficult tightrope for a movie to walk and all things considered, it's hard to fault the movie too much for the direction it goes. And my only other real complaint, and it's kind of nitpicky, is uh, Kevin Klein's Boston accent. It's pretty thick. I'm sure he worked hard on it. It might even be accurate. But I've gone on record several times saying I'm just tired of Boston accents in movies, with the exception of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Uh, the movie also stars Marina Baccarin, uh, like Weaver, also ageless and a welcome addition to anything I'm watching. Rob Delaney, who's always great. Usually he's funny, but he's also good at playing a jerk face. David Rash is in it. He played Sledgehammer back in the 80s and 90s on that show. And Beverly D'Angelo shows up briefly as well. Overall, definitely worth it for the Sigourney Weaver performance. Or if you're looking for a grown-up movie about grown-ups, it's uh, something I could recommend to my parents. They're always looking for a movie to go see in the theaters. Three and a half couch cushions out of five for The Good House. Nice Sledgehammer reference, by the way. <laughs> oh, my Every dad. time I see that guy, that's all I think of. And it's probably... Not even what he's known for anymore, but that's the first thing that pops in my mind every time. My dad and I used to love that show, and he what was he what was his deal? He carried around like a Magnum forty five or something, I think, and a monstrously uh, huge gun. Yeah, yeah, that he would just shoot it, and he'd shoot any, everything, right? Yeah, and he would say, "Trust me, I know what I'm doing." But he really—that was the gag. He didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> he was a bumbling fool. But that movie sounds interesting. I think I'll have to check that out uh, because uh, Sigourney Weaver. I also too had no idea she's 72 years old. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, it sounds like a good cast, good movie, and I agree with you. Boston accents, come on, like can we not pick a different locale? Um, but maybe it's just cheaper to shoot movies there. I don't know. In a moment, hey, by the way, I haven't forgotten. I told you I watched four scary movies, so I'll tell you what the other two are and my thoughts on She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, the season finale. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. As I've mentioned a couple of times this show, I've watched four scary movies this past week. 
Two of them were Candyman, the original from 1992, and the new one from 2021. And I really enjoyed both of them and gave both of them four couch cushions out of five. And one of the reasons why I liked them is because they were cerebral, they were intelligent. And then I thought, you know, there's another scary movie that I've been meaning to watch again, even though I don't know why I wanted to watch it, because it was stupid, and I remember not liking it at all. But I thought, maybe I should give another chance to this. Did you know a young boy drowned here? He wasn't a very good swimmer. The counselors weren't paying attention. He should have been watched every minute. You see, he was my son. His name was Jason. Today is his birthday. Friday the 13th, the 2009 reboot. I watched it. I found it on Tubi, which uh, is a free app, but it does have some ads. So if you don't you don't mind that, then it's there. The, the, the ad breaks, I think, only happen once every half hour, and they weren't long. I'd only ever seen this movie once when it first came out. Saw it in theaters. I was surprised at how much I remembered because I didn't like it the first time around. But I will say this, I remember it being worse, but even though I enjoyed it more this time, it's still no masterpiece. And I probably enjoyed it a little more because I knew what to expect. I, was, I did forget that Jared Padalecki was in it. How could I forget? He's the star. Yay, Sam Winchester from the Supernatural universe. The trailers make this movie look deadly serious, but it's a mixed bag of silly humor and campiness and then that deadly serious horror stuff. So I'll say the same thing now that I said in 2009. This movie couldn't decide if it wanted to be scary or campy and ended up kind of failing on both fronts. Like, it's okay. It has some creative violence. It has the typical nudity and sex that we came to expect from that series. I would be curious to see what they do on that front if and when they ever make a new Friday the 13th movie. We'll probably They'll probably just get rid of all that stuff and just stick with the violence. But um, yeah, this is basically what you expect from a Friday the 13th movie. None of those movies are all that great. So I think I'm going to give that one two couch cushions out of five. But since I had Jason on the brain, that made me look this up on Crave. Two legends will come together. It's time to put this bad dog to sleep. Oh, gosh! Freddy versus Jason. Winner kills all. Place your bets. From 2003... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. From 2003, <laughs> Freddy versus Jason. And this movie I have seen several times, and I enjoy it every time. It's just, it's a delightful romp that honors both characters, manages to tell a pretty creative story to get the two of them on screen together. And this is a movie that knows it's stupid. It does not try to be serious at all. And even the director, Ronnie Yu, I remember reading a quote from him saying, they asked if they should bring in more blood. And he said, yes, of course. And they said, how many gallons? And he said, gallons? We need barrels, barrels of blood. So there's no expense uh, saved on blood here. There is a lot of it. There's a lot of gore. There's a lot of hilarious kills. Um, yeah, this is just, it's a fun movie if you like the slasher movies. And it still has some decent scares in it as well. But yeah, Freddy vs. Jason, if you want to watch that, that is on Crave. And as I've, we mentioned before, we record this show on Thursdays. I stayed up this Thursday morning 
until 2 a.m. so I could watch the season finale for She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. This is my show. Why don't we do things our own way? She-Hulk's mad. What is the responsibility of those with power? Those with the most power have a duty to protect those without it. Call my lawyer. I'm gonna whoop your ass. My ass remains unwhooped. Yeah, let's fix that. She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, original series now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Don't worry, I'm not going to give any spoilers for the finale. I will just say this. I thought it did a good job at poking fun at itself. It poked fun at Marvel. It pokes fun at the fans. Although it does get to be a little much with the man bashing. Like, the whole series is quite man bashy, and I think it's just a little too preachy on that front. Like, just tell your story. But a decent finale, interesting approach. Overall, though, I just found the series kind of... Kind of meh. What if I know you haven't seen the finale yet, Jeff? But what do you what do you think of the She-Hulk? Yeah, I've found it. It's been you know watchable, and I've enjoyed parts of it here and there quite a bit. But yeah, overall, I would say meh is a good uh, way to describe it. I do like. I really, really like though that Marvel, you know, is taking these weird swings. This is like, well, let's try and make what they called it a sitcom. I would I wouldn't go so far as to call it a sitcom. It wasn't certainly wasn't that funny. But uh, I like that they're trying weird, different stuff because. You know, they're already even with the TV shows on Disney Plus, we're what eight or nine into it now, so it's time to mix it up a bit. So whenever they try something new and different and weird, that's a plus in my book just for the effort there. Oh, this one wasn't entirely successful, but uh, I like that they tried. And Tatiana Maslany is such a great actor. She's uh, just a reminder. She's from Regina, which is cool. So it's nice to see her getting some, you know, she's on a big stage right now and she's doing a great job. And that's one of the, the consistent things I hear from people who even despise the show, who tear it apart. They all say that Tatiana Maslany is doing her best with the material that she is given. And I too like the fact that Marvel is trying things out. It just sometimes feels like... They don't have time to finish. Like, even with the CG, uh, this show took a lot of heat for its bad CG, and we're learning all kinds of things about how Marvel is apparently an awful company to work for for visual effects artists, and they're actually just quitting that industry entirely because they don't want to work with Marvel anymore, and they've just lost their love of uh, visual effects. So, yeah, like, they... they they, they set these dates and deadlines. The show is going to debut in August of 2022, maybe even before they've started production on this stuff. So I don't know. But it was okay. It was okay. It was not a slam dunk. Uh, I would like to see more of the She-Hulk in the future to see where they might take it. But uh, that's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.